Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. You know, recently on uh, Channel 10, there's a show that started and it's called Survivor. Do you have any Survivor fans in the church? There's a couple. You see, Survivor is one of those reality TV shows. And if you've watched it at any time at all, you'd know that it's pretty ridiculous. But it's one of those shows that you just get sucked into and you love watching. You see, there's, uh, the way that they set it up is there's 16 teams, uh, 16 contestants, and there's two teams of eight. Uh, these guys, these two teams are dropped off in a remote location in an island or in a desert somewhere. And all they're dropped off with is a, a sack of rice, one luxury item. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's a credit card. Not that there's anywhere to use it. A hair straightener. One luxury item, the clothes on their back and a huge amount of people with cameras to follow every single move that they make. You see, in every episode of Survivor, there are these challenges and these ridiculous kind of obstacles and challenges that the teams need to complete so that the winner of the team gains immunity and the, the losing, the team that loses, they go to what they call tribal council. And when you go to tribal council, you know that the result is always going to be that one person gets voted off the island. Do you remember that show, The Weakest Link? You are the weakest link. Goodbye. <laughs> they do that, you know, they put out the person's torch and they have to leave unceremoniously. But there are all these different challenges that they need to face week in, week out, every single episode. I'm just going to read to you a couple of challenges just to give you an idea of what they face. So one of the challenges is a, a swimmer heads to a boy, B-U-O-Y, not B-O-Y, dives in to retrieve a bottle and then hands it to someone who crosses a floating bridge. They then uh, paddle to shore where the bottle is open to reveal the location of a buried chest. Two people are allowed to dig and with the key that they find, they get to open it and the per first person that opens the chest wins. It's all of this outrageous sort of challenges that they have to face. You know, every single episode, what we love to see is these guys on Survivor and the reason we watch reality TV is for the drama that they face. The reason we watch it is to be able to, you know, watch the tension and the drama that comes up. But I can't help but think, but it's kind of like life, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I see, I feel like in my life, it can be a season where there's just challenge after challenge after challenge. I've never been in a challenge where I've never had to, you know, dive down to the bottom of the ocean to find a key to row back to shore. And, you know, not those sorts of challenges, but, you know, challenges that come against us. We get our winter electricity bill, which is always very high. And then the car needs servicing and it needs new tyres. Financial challenges. You know, challenges with our children after all that we've invested, after everything that we've put into them. They don't want to know us. They don't listen to us. They turn their back on us. You know, sometimes I know this is very real for a lot of us that you get down to your last amount of money and you have to choose. There's a challenge there. What are you going to spend your last few dollars on? Is it going to be petrol for the car so you can get to work? Or is it going to be food for the children so that they can eat? Challenges. 
Challenges like when you go to go to bed at night on a Sunday night and you can't get to sleep because all that you can think about is the stress of work or the stress of university or the homework that you didn't complete. You see, life is full of challenges. Just like Survivor, every, every episode, every episode. You remember the Truman Show? Sometimes I feel like I'm on a TV show and what, you're kidding, another challenge. You know, life can be like that. You see these contestants in Survivor and they put on this bold exterior and they put on this confidence and they exude this, you know, this, uh, this outward confidence. But then as soon as they get in front of the camera one-on-one and they're debriefing with the cameraman, you see these masks that they put up, this confidence that they assert gradually begin to fall away. You see these tough men and women who've survived on nothing but boiled rice for over weeks and weeks, all of a sudden begin to crumble and cry under the weight and the stress of the things that they're carrying. You know, sometimes we do that as well. We put on this exterior that says, I'm blessed, I'm smart, I'm happy. You know, it reminds me of that TV, uh, the, the movie that we watched uh, recently, Evan Almighty. Does anyone remember that when we did at the movies? Evan Almighty, and there's this picture of Evan and he's just won the election and he's on his way to the state Senate and he's standing in front of the mirror and he's trimming his nose hair and he's trimming his ear hair. I know there's a few guys that got that done last week on Father's Day in the barber chairs. Evan Almighty says, as he's shaving his ear hair, as he's getting himself ready so that he gets to become this picture of perfection, he repeats this phrase over and over in his head, I am successful, smart, handsome and happy. I am successful, smart, handsome and happy. I am successful, smart, handsome and happy. You know, sometimes we work so hard to present this exterior, this mask that says, I am successful, smart, handsome and happy, when underneath we are anything but happy, when underneath we are really running, running from our low self-esteem to find value in relationships, jumping from boyfriend to boyfriend, from girlfriend to girlfriend, just to find someone who love us, running, running from poor financial management and these bills that overwhelm us to the arms of the banks and to the credit cards and the loans and the mortgage and the interest freeze. We're running, running from our stress at work and turning it into anger at home. Sometimes we run from our anxiety by letting our mind run over, over and over situations. We worry and and let our mind take over. We're constantly running from something. You know, I love the book of Kings. I love the whole Bible. It tells so many different great stories. But the book of 1 Kings in chapter 19, we read the story of this great prophet whose name is Elijah. You see, Elijah reigns in the time of King Ahab. And King Ahab was the king of the northern kingdom of Israel. And he was someone that just did despicable things. He was a murderer. He stole. He was someone that wasn't a great king at all. So God used Elijah to bring judgment to King Ahab and to the nation of Israel. And there's this drought that comes for three years. And this drought comes and Jezebel, who's the king's wife, threatens Elijah and says, how dare you bring this drought? And Elijah runs for his life. He runs and he hides near this brook and God looks after him there. And then 
It comes to the end of this three-year drought and Elijah challenges the prophets of Baal and that's who the nation of Israel is worshipping at the time to a challenge. This is the ultimate survivor challenge. You see, the challenge is set up that there's two altars. On one side and in one corner, there's the prophets of Baal and their altar that they've set up to their God. Baal was the fertility God who the people of Canaan worshipped. And then on the other side, there was Elijah representing the one true God, Jehovah Jireh, their provider, Jehovah Yahweh. He was representing the one true God all by himself. So in the one corner, kind of like Mayweather and McGregor, we have (laughs) Elijah all by himself representing God. And then in the other corner, we have the 450 prophets of Baal from all over Israel. They've come to compete in this challenge. And the challenge is set. The first prophet that can call down fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice that's on the altar wins. Pretty simple challenge. I've tried it a lot of times, especially when trying to light my barbecue, (laughs) trying to call down fire from heaven. Come on. (laughs) Trying to call down fire to cook those sausages when the barbecue is not working. I've never been successful. But Elijah and the prophets of Baal, they engage in this battle to be able to call down fire from heaven, to be able to see which God is the God that the nation of Israel should worship. So the prophets of Baal get into it, 450 of them. They're dancing, they're calling out to their God and Elijah's over here on his side and he's just by himself and he calls out to them and he starts mocking them a little bit. As time goes on, as hours go by, he says, speak up. Maybe your God is asleep. He says, chant louder. Maybe your God is on the toilet. (laughs) It's true. It's in the Bible. This is what Elijah said. Who said the Bible is boring? The Bible is not boring. And after hours and hours and hours and they're chanting and they're doing everything they can to call down fire from heaven, Elijah jumps up and he says this simple statement. Oh, Lord. God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I've done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought brought them back to yourself. And with that short, simple prayer, Fire bursts out of heaven. It not only consumes the the whole altar and the sacrifice that's on there, but they put gallons and gallons of water over the top and it just dehydrates that water completely. Elijah wins this battle. Then they turn around and they finish off the prophets of Baal. And then Elijah turns to the king of Ahab and he says, get in your chariot and start running because rain is coming. The drought is broken. You see, we have Elijah and he's won this amazing battle. He's called down fire from heaven, for heaven's sake. He's called down fire from heaven. He's broken the drought and he's won this amazing battle for God. And so he runs down the mountain and he gets to the bottom of the mountain and the queen Jezebel says to Elijah, sends a message to him. And through this messenger, the messenger says, you better keep running because I... I'm going to kill you. You see, 1 Kings 19 verse 1, and this is where we'll pick up the story. It's on the screens behind me. It says, When King Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, 
including the way that he had killed all the prophets. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I haven't killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Bathsheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then when he went on alone into the wilderness, travelling all day, he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. You see, Elijah had won this amazing challenge for God. Seriously, one of the biggest miracles that we'll read of in the Bible. Elijah wins this amazing battle. And then in just one moment, just this negative word from the Queen Jezebel, he turns around and he flees and he runs. You see, I don't know what Elijah thought would happen after this battle and after winning and the fire coming down from heaven. Maybe Elijah thought that, you know, finally he would be safe. Maybe Elijah thought that he would be an honoured prophet, someone that the people of Israel would look to and and lift up as, as someone who is high in their esteem. Maybe he would be a hero to the people of Israel for bringing them back to the one true God. But it's amazing that as soon as he gets down to the bottom of the mountain, everything just crashes away. This threat from Jezebel sends a a panic through him and he crumbles with fear and he runs. You know, the thing about Elijah that I don't understand is why, why didn't he just call down fire from heaven again? You know what I mean? That's the logical thing that I would expect. Easy to do, right? You've done it once already. Do it again. Cool down a bit more fire. Just a little bit more, God. Just one person, if that would be good. (laughs) But he runs. You know, how often do we go after something and we have initial success and we have this initial win, but then these challenges come up against us again and we turn around and run and we give up and we run off. Quite often that happens to me. You know, you you have this success at work and then there's all these other challenges come on top of you and you give up and you think, what, what the heck's going on? Why, God? Why? You know, I love the Bible for its reality. I love that it presents the good with the bad. I love that it presents not only all these heroes, but it presents their flaws. You see, when challenges are thrown at us, we always try to escape. We try to run. Whether we know it or not, we all run. My question tonight is, what are you running to? It's natural for us to run when a challenge comes up against us. And you know what? It's okay to run. It's okay. The thing about Elijah, though, if you keep on reading, is that he wasn't running aimlessly. You see, Elijah runs down to the bottom from, from northern Israel right down to the bottom of Judah, which is about 700 kilometres right down to a town called Beersheba, which is right down in the bottom of Judah. And then he, if you can picture modern day Israel, it's right down the bottom of that country. And then he leaves his servant there and he keeps on running down and he keeps on running to a place called Mount Sinai. See, I don't know if you know Mount Sinai, but if you can cast your mind back to the story in Exodus of the, of the children of Israel as they're leaving the, the Egyptians and they've been slaves for 400 years and Moses miraculously through the power of God brings them out and out of slavery and they're wandering through the wilderness and they get to Mount Sinai. You see, Mount Sinai is where Moses met God. 
Mount Sinai is where they received the Ten Commandments. You see, Mount Sinai is where when Moses was up on the mountain, God showed himself to Moses. The only time that we've seen the presence of the physical presence of God, Moses was able to see it. And as Moses came down the mountain, he had to wear a sheet over his face, a veil over his face, because his face glowed. You see, there's no problem with running when the challenge hits, and there's nothing wrong with being scared. You see, it's not about what makes you run, but it's about where are you running to. To survive the challenge that comes, with, comes at us and all these challenges that come at us in life, I believe that we need to run to God. And I believe there are keys that we can learn from Elijah's story that will be able to help us as we come up against challenges in our life. You know, the first thing we need to do is run to God's provision. Sometimes it's not until we get to the bottom of ourselves when everything else is stripped away that we truly seek out God's provision. You know, for Elijah, it wasn't until he got to the absolute bottom of himself and he says in that scripture that we read previously that he said to God to take his life. Sometimes it's not until we get to that point, that desperation that God comes and provides. You see, we go on to read in verse 5 of that same chapter, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 5, it goes on to say, Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some baked bread. Oh man, fresh baked bread. Is there nothing better than that? Fresh, I just read that and had that revelation. Fresh baked bread. As he's lying there, God provides this fresh baked bread and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and then he lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, for the journey ahead of you will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And there he came to a cave and he spent the night. You see, when we choose to run to God, And instead of running to substitutes, God gives us what we need to keep carrying on. There are times in our lives when we've been battling and when we've been running and we just need to stop. We just need to stop the motion and let God provide and let God turn up. You see, right at the time that Elijah needed God the most, God turned up. You know, I remember as a young boy, I've spoken many times about growing up in Sejuna and it's probably one of your, my favourite topics of conversation because there's so much gold out of that uh, childhood. But my parents moved to Sejuna in 1990 and they planted the church there, the local ACC church, AOG church, and we literally started in my parents' lounge room. And there was five people in the congregation. There was my dad my mum, my sister, my brother and me. And my dad would come out and he'd have his tie on and he'd, we'd sing a couple of songs and dad would preach to us and he'd take up a, you know, his tithes and offerings and say, mum, can I have some money for the offering? 
you know, this went on for, you know, about six or so months and the church slowly started to grow. But, you know, that time when my dad pioneered and planted that church, which he's still pastoring to this day and has grown to, you know, four or five different campuses and, uh, you know, across the, the outback of South Australia and he's doing a great job. But in those early years, I literally remember having absolutely nothing. You'd go to the cupboards and there'd be nothing there. You'd go to the fridge, there'd be no meat, there'd be no butter, there'd be no milk. Because when you step out in faith, God doesn't always guarantee that everything is going to go perfectly. You know, those were some of the times of my life I could see my parents. You know, my mum, well, my dad was pastoring the church and he would drive a fuel truck part-time and my mum would clean the toilets at the, uh, at the local truck stop. You know, I heard recently that if you're not willing to serve, then you're not going to be in a place to lead. But my mum would be, you know, get up first thing in the morning and she'd go to the truck stop and clean the toilets there and she'd get a little bit of money from that. And I just remember, you know, those early years of my life, you know, from about uh, 10 through to 15, there were times in my life that we had nothing. And I remember God's miraculous provision. You see, I remember opening the door and going, Mum, why is there a crate full of meat at the front door? I'd so open the front door and Mum would come in and she'd have all this bread. And I'd say, Mum, where did you get that bread from? Why have you got so many loaves? And she said, oh, someone just walked up to me and gave it to me. You see, sometimes it's not until we put into a test that we're able to see God's provision. Because in the word testimony, you can't have it without the word test. You know, we ask to live the blessed life, but then sometimes there are challenges that come our way and we think that God has left us, but really He's just testing us to see, are we willing to call out to Him to, for Him to provide for us? Or do we run to our credit cards? Do we run to our, our Instagram accounts to be able to tell the world about it? Or do we run to God? You see, whatever you're going through, I want to encourage you tonight, run to God, run to His provision. You see, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. You see, when we are stressed, when we're behind in our homework, when we're behind in our assignments, that's the time that we need to run to God. When we find that we keep on getting sick and our family keeps on getting sick, that's not the time to walk away from church. That's the time to push in deeper to church and push in deeper to God. When you're feeling like your prayers aren't being answered, that's not the time to give up, but that's the time to push in, to pray even harder, to call out to God even more. Because sometimes we need to push that little bit harder. You see, we see our challenges and we feel like God has left us, but our challenges, far from disqualifying us, are a requirement so God can demonstrate His power and His provision in our lives. To be a survivor and to overcome the challenges of life and all of the challenges that come against with us, I believe wholeheartedly that we need to run to God's provision. But I believe we also need to run to God's peace. You know, 1 Kings 19 goes on to say, 
But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. He basically starts to tell God and all of the troubles that have come over him over the last little while. They've torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets and I'm the only one left. And they're trying to kill me too. And then God says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. You see, Elijah ran to the mountain and went in the cave and God was in the cave. God made a storm pass by, but God wasn't in the storm. He isn't in the commotion and the, and the drama. God wasn't in the fire, in the heat, but He was in the still, small voice. God's voice brings peace. You see, you may have had life throw its challenges at you and retreated to your cave, but God is in the cave and His voice can bring peace to your situation. You know, sometimes we need to find a cave. Sometimes there's so much going on in our life. The kids are driving us crazy. There's everything happening in our world that we need to go and find a place where we can stop and be still and let God speak to us in His still, small voice. You see, having a quiet place where you can remove all the clutter and confusion and just be alone with God is so important. And I guarantee you that 10 minutes in that quiet place will change your entire day. It'll change your entire perspective. You know, one of the things I love about being a dad is I get to spend time with my family and we do lots of great things as a family. We get to go up into the hills and enjoy Handorf and enjoy Sterling and we take the kids to the playground and they, they have a great time. You know, just yesterday, Sarah took the kids to you know, the movies and as a family watched Captain Underpants. It was real, uh, real theologically sound movie right there. But you know, one of the things that I love and my favourite times are when I get to sit down one-on-one -on -one with them and just be alone with them. You know, for Isla, we sit down and she's just got these Where's Wally books and we sit down for hours trying to find Wally. Ugh, curse him, you know, he's always so hard to find. You see, it's not about finding Wally, although it is sometimes. <laughs> You're not going to bed until we find Wally, but it's about the conversations that we have while we're chatting. There are things that she will only tell me in the quiet times that she won't tell me when everyone else is around. There are things like my friends told me that they don't like me today. There are things like the boys came up and pushed me over at school. There are things like, why did this person react that way? Why is that person angry with you, Dad? Yeah, you know, there are these questions that come up and they only come up in the quiet times and I'm able to speak into Isla's life in a way that I wouldn't be able to as a family. You know, I love... Amelia, and I love 
sitting down and again, it centres around reading and we're doing this activity and Amelia and I are just chatting and it's amazing the conversations that a five-year-old has with you. I mean, have you ever sat down with a five-year-old? You kind of sometimes think that all they want to talk about is babies, especially my daughter, Isla, uh, Amelia. But the things that she picks up and the questions that she asks when we have these one-on-one conversations is, just blows my mind sometimes. You see, in the same way that I prioritise my relationship with my family, I need to prioritise my relationship with God. See, whenever I intentionally put myself in my cave, I block out all distractions, I hear God's voice every time. You know, not literally, but these thoughts that come into my mind that are too smart for me to think of on my own. My thinking becomes clearer and I feel the peace of God washing over me. See, to survive the challenges that come on us in life, I believe that we need to run to God's provision but we need to run to his peace and then we need to run to his, his plan. And as the band comes, that would be great. You see, Elijah's story continues in verse 14 and it says, Elijah replied, Again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you and torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets and I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And this time the Lord lays out for him this plan. He says, Go back the way you came. Travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazel to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimishi, to be king of Israel. And he goes on to give Elijah this plan for his life. You see, after you allow yourself to be quiet and to be still and let God's peace rest on your life, He will give you a vision and He will give you a plan for your life. He'll give you a way out of your situations and your circumstances that you couldn't think of on your own. It was at this time when Elijah heard the still small voice that he received God's provision and His plan and he felt His peace. You see, God always has a plan. You know, I remember a job that I started working at, you know, when I was in my early 20s and Sarah and I were newly married, uh, probably about four or five years and uh, Isla had just been born. So this is a little while ago. And this boss that I worked with would continually hold this over my head. She would say, come on, come on, Phil, you need to do better. I don't want to have to fire you. I don't want to have to be the one that... Uh, causes you not to have a job and not to have income. Come on, what would Sarah think if you got fired from your job? Come on, Phil, you need to do better. You see, I could have got another job and this, this boss was probably the real genuine narcissist. You know, if you ever read about it, she was one of them. And it says, I'll tell you more later. <laughs> you see, these were some of the deepest, darkest times of my life. And I could have run. I could have changed jobs, but I ran to God. I ran to God's Word. I had to block out the negative voice and remind myself what God was saying. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Psalm 139, You made all my delicate parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is a marvellous. How well I know it. 
You see, I don't need to be fearful. I don't need to worry. I don't need to be anxious because I know that God has a plan for my life, a plan that I couldn't have laid out any better myself. He's seen the future. He's seen the past. He knows where you're going and He's calling you out. All we need to do is to run to Him. You see, we're never promised in life that it would be free of challenges. We're never promised that it would be storm free. But when the storm hits and the challenge comes, we know that we can run to God. You see, Elijah can be criticised for his fear and for running. But he should also be commended for his response. You see, the fear is what made Elijah run. But he wasn't just running aimlessly. He was running to God. I don't know what your storm is this morning. I don't know where your situations and your circumstances. Have you worried? Have you concerned? Have you anxious? But what I know that is tonight, as you run to God, He will bring peace. He will bring provision and He will bring a plan. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.